0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're so glad that you could join us today. Moonshine Jesus Show is brought to you by progressivechristianity.org. Hope you'll check that out. I'm here today
1: with my good buddy, Mark. How you doing today, Mark? Doing great, Caleb. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I mm, those, those last two movie-length episodes, man. I can't wait till we dig in.
0: That's right. Stranger Things, Season 4, Volume 2. We're going to dig into that. But first, before wow. we do, we've got some things we got to tell you. Because uh, we're not uh-huh. going to be here this time next week, and that's because nope. we are going to be somewhere on Saturday. We're going to be at the Wild Goose Festival, Oh, yeah. Goose Cast, so that's going to be 4.15 Eastern Standard Time. On Saturday, and we're gonna have some great stuff for got folks who show giveaways. up. Giveaways,
1: yeah, we got giveaways. We're gonna have first twenty people. We have these glass moonshine-looking jugs that have the Moonshine Ooh, Jesus Show logo. Yeah. We will have a cocktail, a themed Thor cocktail, in there for you for the first twenty that show up. So we got T-shirts to throw out the folks who participate in the episode. We got stickers. We got a beer huggies. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have a good time. And we got we got swag to give away, man.
0: Swag. I mean, swag <laughs> and alcohol. Why right. wouldn't you come? And listen, if you're at Wild Goose Festival, we want to see you 415 on Saturday to talk about Thor Love and Thunder, to yeah. drink together, to get to know <laughs> each other. It's going to be a lot of fun. But today, we are talking about Stranger Things, oh, season yeah. four, volume two, the epic conclusion of this season and we have got some themed drinks. Mark, Absolutely. what have you got today?
1: Well, uh I am uh, um since we're repeating the show, I'm repeating oh, my yeah. drink. I liked it so much the first time. Mm, so uh yeah. this is called an 11. It's bourbon, yes. it's uh egg whites, it's got maple syrup since uh 11 loved breakfast. Um yes. uh, some bitters in it. Um and uh, a little, a little, a little uh, eggo a little waffle egg-o! As, yeah. a, as my garnish there. What, what about you, sir?
0: I love that. It's a whole meal, a whole breakfast. It is. If know? I remember
1: right from the last time, it tastes like a, a, a bright, fresh lemony breakfast. Because that's the other thing I didn't say. There's a, a a bit of a fresh squeezed lemon in there as well. It's oh, basically a, a, a it's basically a twist on a whiskey sour, but they call it an eleven. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. How about you, sir? There you go. There you go. Okay, so usually what I do, Mark, is I usually think what visually communicates what we've been watching, right? And so that's what I did last time. Last time I did like an upside down, and I had this red thing with this black licorice, a little carved out Vecna and stuff. And so this time I asked myself a different question. Uh I asked myself, what does the upside down taste like? Not oh, not just look like. I want to know what it tastes approach. like. All right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So a little bit different since we've done this before. I like it. And so I, like I, was, I was thinking about Vecna, right? Whenever right. he's sent into the upside down, he gets struck by lightning. That's what gives mm-hmm. him this grizzled appearance. And we see these particles in the air. And to me, it kind of looks like ash. And so I'm yeah. thinking, I think so. I yeah. need something smoky. I want something ah, really it. smoky. Yeah, I didn't like so where I thought, this is going. I thought it's got to be mescal. I I Mm -hmm. want some Mezcal. And so I decided to make a Mezcal Old Fashioned, uh, which has become one of my favorite drinks. I I love this. So equal parts Mezcal and tequila and some simple syrup and, uh, you know, uh, an orange wedge. Mm -hmm. So it's very smoky and delicious.
1: It sounds exactly what the the upside down would probably taste like. So
0: yeah, I like it. Yeah. Cheers to you, Mark.
1: Cheers to you. Here's to a good show, man oh yeah mm. i definitely okay. like it as much as i did the first time how was that i mean, you're saying it's, it's one of your favorites now
0: it i do i love it if you like smoky stuff give it a try
1: okay so do.
0: we're gonna have a drop we're gonna come back and we're gonna geek out a little bit about yeah. thing, season four volume
1: two Ocean Jesus. Ocean Jesus. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus show, where we are talking this week about Stranger Things, season four, part two. There's a lot that goes on in these two episodes, these two movie length episodes. Mm-hmm. So let me kind of give you the setup. I've tried to condense this as much as possible, but there's a lot going Sorry. on. So, uh, season four, uh, part two picks up directly where part one left off with our heroes scattered and Vecna's plan for Hawkins picking up speed. Eleven, who's back at the lab, gets her powers back. She's And she's not just got them back. She's kind of leveled up on those powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hopper uh, escapes the prison in Russia, unites with Joyce, only to realize that they have to fight their part of the battle back in the prison. Uh, then we got the Pizza Boys. The Pizza Boys set out to rescue Eleven and end up assisting her in basically what she's calling piggybacking into Max's mind, where Max is confronting and hopefully distracting Vecna. Uh, so that the rest of the crew can destroy his body while he's in a trance and is mind-stalking Max. And at the same time, Eddie and Dustin are entering the Upside Down to provide yet another distraction to keep Vecna occupied. But in the end, Vecna wins, sort of, and the Upside Down begins to slowly take over Mm -hmm. Hawkins. (laughs) So what did you think of the episodes? Well, okay. So I
0: I love the episodes. It was a yes. lot of fun. I, I've loved this season. This is probably my second favorite mm-hmm. season. I, I And I think I'm holding firm to that. That's why I said last time as well. I think uh, season three is probably my favorite. This one, mm-hmm. I, in large part, as we mentioned the last time we talked about this, felt like a little convoluted with all the storylines, though I think in some ways, uh, volume 2, Justified, having so many storylines going on mm-hmm. all at once. I think it was necessary, we saw, in order to really fight Vecna. You had to yep. hit him from all these different points. So I liked it. I thought it was entertaining. I and agree. Uh, You know, the the Duffer brothers uh, caught quite a bit of flack for the last episode in particular. It was two hours and 20-ish minutes. And so a lot of people said, break it up. Why didn't you break it up? And they you know, they said there wasn't really a good stopping point. And I, yeah. I will say that it was almost constant action. And so yeah. we we found ourselves like pausing halfway through mm-hmm. and being like, Whoa, that was intense. We gotta take a break from this. You know, it's it's a right. lot. It's intense. It is, yeah. uh, so I loved it. How about you? What do you think?
1: I really did too. Um, some of the stuff that we talked about the last time, by the way. Yeah. Big shout out to you who figured out the whole Vecna is actually in control of the monsters and everything that's going on. Yes. I wasn't convinced. <laughs> I wasn't convinced. I thought he was like the second in charge. You you nailed it, man. You absolutely nailed it. Like we do find out that was going on. You and I both did. Like you mentioned, talked about how there's like four different storylines going on, and he can't. It's hard to figure out why either what's important and not important. I love the way that the, in these last two episodes they showed that, and I I want to even get back to this when we go to the Theopolitical section a little bit because of something I I noticed that I want to get your opinion on. But I love that they had all these different avenues where they were going after Vecna and how important each role was. Uh, But also, the Duffer brothers are incredible at telling a story, weaving it together, making each part count, and all of this action happening. And they always figure out these, moments to pull us off to the side and develop the characters and give us a little bit of a backstory and, and, and several love stories, which I think are actually one of the key points of the whole show is that it's these, these communities and these close relationships that give us the strength to overcome uh, the evil things. So uh, I thought it was brilliant. There were some actors that I, I had been hoping to see, uh, more from the the Noah who plays Will. Mm-hmm. I, I thought there were some very significant moments with him that just warmed my heart. I loved it so much, and I feel like he's may even have. I kind of feel like he's going to have a really big role in season five. We've not seen much of him. He's yeah. kind of been a side character. I think he's going to become incredibly important in season five.
0: I think you're right, and the I think maybe my favorite scene in the entire series happened over these last two couple of episodes and it's that scene in the van uh where Mm. he's talking to mike about about his love for l and but you know it's coded right for his love for mike and it's his it's his way kind of of expressing his love for mike and coming out to the audience without really coming out but the scene where where after he's kind of confess this and and he sticks his head to the side of the window and his hands by his mouth and he's crying and oh, and, yeah. and is looking mm. at
1: through the rearview mirror oh it's it's heart wrenching heart wrenching yeah absolutely absolutely isn't and he and he tells mike uh in that scene um mike is he shows this picture that he's been working on since i think season All one right. where it's a three headed dragon um and they're all in 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 the kind of medieval gear fighting and mike's the first one and he his shield has a heart on it and Mm -hmm. he tells them he tells mike he's like mike you're the heart without the heart we'd all fall apart which i think may be the theme of this whole show anyway but Mm -hmm. that for me Mm -hmm. i'd love that they gave him that line because that line for me comes back um when l is actually in max's mind fighting vecna uh-huh. and is pinned up against the door i, I got a question about that I, let, remind me to come back yeah. to the door question the pinned door, up against yeah. the door and starts giving up hope just mm-hmm. it feels defeated yeah, yeah and it's when mike leans in and starts to confess that he loves her that she yeah. finds that strength again and so for me i love the connection between the three of them how that has worked in and out and i love they gave Gave him that line of without heart, without the heart we fall apart, and it was actually his actual heart and confessing his heart that that ultimately helped everyone save the day. Because without eleven, it wasn't going to happen. Right, right, and
0: I'm not going to say too much about this because this is theological. But I, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like the point of life right is that right, right. if if we if we encourage each other if we support each other if we're able to say how much we care about each other that yeah. empowers us all to do better and so i love seeing that in this in this display and and, and i i love those scenes and uh, i agree with you i think that it was uh, some of the best scenes uh, in, in the whole series that came out in in volume two and some of the best scenes can uh concerning eddie too were you an eddie fan
1: mark yeah i think just like most people they set us up to not like eddie to start with Uh uh-huh yeah and then he very slowly grows on you he ultimately Uh has become one of my favorite characters because he's such a stereotype buster you know Uh he's a metalhead who can shred He's also a and D. Oh, and boy, he
0: shred in the upside oh, yeah. down.
1: Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that was yeah. amazing. And yeah. but he's also this really incredibly nice guy too. Actually, mm, gives a crap yeah. about a lot of things and cares about people. Mm-hmm. I love the way mm-hmm. they break down the stereotypes with him very much. I, 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 yeah. I really, you know, when you get when everyone's learning that uh, when the Duffer Brothers introduce a character at the beginning of a season. It's probably not going yeah, to make might, it to the next season. Might not make so, it. <laughs> as, as he was growing on me, I was kind of like, oh, no. Oh, no. Because this is the th- this is the throwaway character. This is the character that in the writer's room saves all the other main characters. Because if we get you to love this new character, we can kill him or her off uh, without having to actually sacrifice any of our main people. And so I was like, oh, nah. I kind of thought it was going to happen. I mean, I've got a question. Coming?
0: Yeah, but I've got a question about that, Mark. This mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. is one of my points of frustration about it. Is yeah. Did Eddie have to die? I mean, other than for logistical reasons, because the cast is huge. You know, I saw Billy right. Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven, saying, hey, the Duffer brothers should uh, Game of Thrones this thing. You know, <laughs> get rid of a bunch of characters. So maybe for logistical reasons, but I mean... Plot wise, did any really have to die? I mean, he they're they're there distracting the bats and the well, upside down. Dustin goes, you know, yeah. back to the other dimension. The bats aren't going to know. Even if he had kept riding on the bike, the bats were chasing him. Did he get off the bike and fight the bats? Did he?
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, in terms of the, in terms of being well written, yes, he did because we have to feel like everyone is really, truly at risk. If no one dies, if no one gets really deeply hurt, it's hard to convince the audience that this is life and death and threatening if someone hasn't died. If everyone miraculously recovers or... So I think someone had to, someone had to die to to make it clear in the storytelling what a real threat this is. could it have been they, Jonathan? <laughs>
0: <laughs> could it have been one of them?
1: It had to be someone <laughs> you cared about. It's the problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the problem. So I, I think it had to be done. I hate it because I was okay. really growing really fond yeah. of that character. Someone had to go. And, and, you know, if it's him instead of Eleven or Mike or Will or Max or Dustin it or could Steve. Be, it could be Mike. Yeah. <laughs> not Justin. out not steve Ouch. mike man it can't be mike mike is the heart without the heart the story would fall apart
0: <laughs> I, I think they've all got i think they've all got heart see i uh, see they do the, but he,
1: but i think i think will uh is, is right and say that mike is kind of like the heart that it pulls them all together not that they all don't have heart but he is kind of the that is his heart that does ultimately pull the folks together and helps L come back out and 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 be able to fight uh, but here's a, a odd thing i okay. noticed and and, and yeah. usually if there's something like this i kind of see the some some symbolic nature of it and figure out what's going on mm-hmm. i think it's interesting that when L and Sam are are Max L and Max are in uh, Max's mind and the mm-hmm. Vecna mm-hmm. is in there and has them both caught with vines. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. There's all kinds of surfaces they could have been stuck to. Uh-huh. L was stuck to a door mm-hmm. and Max was stuck to a window. Hmm. And and I wonder if that wasn't some really subtle, uh, just tip of the hat of of the role that they're playing in this Vecna story in that, L opened the door to mm-hmm. the the, un- the upside down, the yeah. upside down. And um, Max represents a window, a way to come in and out back and forth mm. for, yeah. uh, and so I don't know, was there more than that going on? It just seems there were so many places they could have been. One was on a door and one was on a window and it was like kind of a the only door and window that was anywhere around and it's like, i like
0: that i like that symbolism so i was i was too like into the uh, like oh are they gonna make it is max gonna make it? and max is one of my favorites uh so i didn't see max go and so not at all um but you're right you know because it's that uh it's that killing of max even though she comes back that that does you know that is the one of the four windows that is kind of open that ends up opening this huge gate for everyone to come into so i i like that maybe maybe that's right maybe it is the um (laughs) uh, important symbolism there um you know uh one of my uh one of my other favorite characters besides i love max one of my other favorite characters Mm -hmm. is erica she probably is my favorite character i I love erica yeah she's what uh, is it i mean she is
1: a very cool kid i mean
0: I think I fell in love with Erica around the time in season three. She called uh, Murray "you bald bastard." Uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> well, he's like, "Why is this four-year-old talking to me?" Uh, I'm ten, you bald bastard. Around that time, she, she became my favorite, and so right. and she calls Eddie. You know, along uh, he he calls her. Why is this? Preschool here or whatever she said. I'm 11. You long-haired freak. I love Erica, and so I. But I love the scene too. And so as as Elle and Max are there, you mm-hmm. know, Elle's mm-hmm. against the door, Max against the window, and Lucas is fighting for her life on right. you know in our dimension, right. right? And Erica is trying really hard to get in the door to come up the attic, and uh, I I thought there was uh, some interesting commentary there on their relationship. Too, Hmm. you know, as um, as as Erica, she's not been real friendly towards Lucas, and they've not been real close. And she's trying desperately to come in and help, and he's he's screaming for Erica to help, and Erica, Mm -hmm. get help! And uh, and I thought there was something interesting about the the sibling bond going on in
1: in the midst of that as well. So uh, I, I I love that. I've got one more question for you. Yeah, this one's out there. So yeah. is there any chance? So at the end of the, of the show, we, we mm-hmm. end up with Max in a coma. Yeah. Um, and, and here's kind of my thoughts on what's going on. Like mm-hmm. she was the fourth uh, that had to die to right. open the connection between the Upside Down mm-hmm. uh, and Hawkins. And what happens is she dies, but they get her body back alive. But as we see when, right. when Eleven goes into her mind, she's not there. And we know that Vecna absorbs mm. parts, the the skills, and even the person yeah. sometimes of the who who he kills. Right. So I'm I'm wondering if what we have here is like a, a not a full death, a partial death, and that's why there wasn't this immediate switch where where Hawkins was the upside down, and what we have are cracks. Matter of fact, it's interesting. Mm. Much mm-hmm. like there were four storylines and four people that had to die, the cracks come ah, together in Cindy of a town that... and makes four ah. parts which the clock Uh rings four times every time the clock Mm -hmm. shows up for one of the four. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of those going on, but so I think maybe one of the keys in the next season is we've got to get her back into her body because that might help close these things back down because he wanted to, she was the last element to open that up. But my questions only is semi related to that, right? That's my theory about what happened. Okay. I'm just wondering, could this be both Vecna and Mm -hmm. uh 11 were in her head when she dies essentially right and vecna takes part of her we uh, i'm assuming with him what's the chances that she comes back with some powers Ooh,
0: I like that. I I don't know, but there would be nothing cooler than seeing Max with powers.
1: <laughs> Max, Max and Eleven together, these best friends. We have all these scenes of yeah. them over and over again on the bed, uh-huh. laughing, uh-huh. cutting right. up with each other, right. supporting each other. Having them like because, you know, uh Papa uh um Dr. Uh, Brenner, Brenner basically yeah. says says, look, you're not strong enough to beat him. I'm thinking, what if she has a, an adopted sister who also has these powers together? They just might be. Oh, I would now, I
0: would love to see that. I'd love to see uh, Eleven and Max team up to finish Vecna off and uh, and save, save Haw- Hawkins. I, I also know there's maybe a spinoff that's coming
1: from strange they have practice. announced that there will be but they haven't announced what it will be or who it will be so no so. b-
0: that 11? would be interesting maybe yeah that, oh, I, know. A, a buddy movie. Game.
1: I love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well we could go on and on and geek out more and more matter of fact we would mm-hmm. if you let us but it is time for us to take a break we're back on the other side with our theo politico segment <laughs>
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we're talking about Stranger Things, Season 4, Volume 2, and we are moving into our Theology and Politics section. And there is a lot going on here in Stranger Things that we can talk about. But here's where I want to start us off. Um, You know, Mark, uh, there are uh, a ton of theological and political themes, but the relationship between Papa and Eleven is explored uh, a lot more fully over the course of the season. And Mm -hmm. we get to learn more about why Eleven was at Hawkins Lab and what all went on there, Mm -hmm. her relationship with Papa and with Juan. And Eleven, understandably, has uh, very hard feelings about Papa. And Mm -hmm. there's this scene where after Papa has told her she cannot leave this this lab where she's getting her powers back and all, and she says mm-hmm. she wants to, she's going to. And well, he can't stop and, her, and he can't stop her, That's and then he means. does, and he um, puts this dampening collar on her and all. Right? Mm-hmm. They're they're headed out because uh, they are being attacked, and Papa is shot and is about to die. And in that scene, he asks for her forgiveness. And he calls her family, and she doesn't give him the forgiveness, and she leaves him there. Uh, probably not much she can do, although we find out later that mm-hmm. she can bring people back. Um, here's my question. Uh, she doesn't forgive him. Uh, should she have? Are we obligated to forgive people when they, when they ask it? Or what, what's our obligation regarding forgiveness?
1: Well, for for me, uh, no, uh, ultimately, someone trying to uh, make you forgive when they want you to really doesn't seem like forgiveness, does it? It feels like you're being forced. But at the same time, you as you and I both know, having something like that inside and not ultimately finding a way to forgive. And there's all kinds of things that that can look like. That doesn't even mean remaining in a relationship with that person. We know that holding those things in can ultimately eat you up from the inside out. So no, a matter of fact, absolutely has no responsibility to forgive then just because he's asking, nor do any of us. But it is something I think we all have to always be aware of and thinking about and figuring out what our timeline looks like. So that we can be healthier and not hold that resentment, because when you do that, you're you're letting a person own a part of you, and that's never going to be healthy in the long run. You've got to figure out what your process is and what your timing is to try to slowly let go of it. That's where I, I fall. I mean, what what were your thoughts when that was happening? Because it's a powerful scene.
0: It she even, is a powerful, she, scene. and
1: it, she doesn't not care for him. Like as he's dying, instead of just dropping his hand, like she very gently places his hand on the ground so there's still a this piece that recognizes him as a person that she has some kind of caring you know feelings for
0: yeah right right and she is with him and what and she yeah. doesn't just leave you know she has the final moments with him and so i think you're right um i i think it's that's an important point mark that you know a lot of times people will demand forgiveness on their timeline right because mm-hmm. it's about making them feel better exactly and yeah. not, not about you it's a it's about it's all about them and and what they want you to do in service oh, to yeah. them which a lot of times was one of the uh, original reasons for feeling wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. because of what other people want from you so i I think that when Jesus talks about forgiveness and Jesus talks a lot about forgiveness, that he's talking about our uh, exactly what you were saying, uh, our own issues, eating us up inside and how it Mm -hmm. is better for us, uh, but not how we owe anyone else um, anything. And so, uh, so I think I, I thought that 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 was something interesting. Forgiveness was something interesting that was explored in this season. I also think that we had some savior motifs explored pretty extensively in <laughs> uh, in this season. So here's what I want to know, Mark. If you mm. if you take Eleven out, right? Because yep. she's the obvious Jesus parallels. She's got you know, all these powers and stuff the same. Who uh-huh. do you think is the most Christ-like figure in uh, in Stranger Things?
1: Oh, that's a great question. All right, I'm going to. uh, Hmm, I've got two that I'm bouncing back. That's my hesitation. Yeah, I got two. I'm Mm -hmm. bouncing back and forth. There are
0: well, there are a lot that that (laughs) there are plenty very powerful things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I I was curious to know what you think about this.
1: (laughs) I I, I just just based on the two episodes that this podcast is about, Mm -hmm. man, it's Eddie. It's Eddie like. He sacrifices everything for everyone so that they can live and have a a better life. Possibly beat this horrible thing in the world. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, and it's so strange because we started off the season, you know, like ah, this dude, you know, he's yeah. rough around the edges and is a little too like self-important. But I mean, have you got someone else, or is that your same person? You go.
0: Well, I think Eddie and, and, and Max, I think Max is another mm-hmm. one that clearly, you know, offers yep. herself up that takes, Absolutely. you know, takes off Kate Bush and she's <laughs> willing to sacrifice herself. And, uh, you know, she, even whenever she's grabbed by the vines in the upside down is in the cross position, right. Which mm-hmm. obviously Absolutely. is uh, intentional. And so, uh, willing to sacrifice, uh, her life for for everyone else and so i think yeah we had uh several figures this this season who were really yeah. uh who were really living into that um but you know the the more time that i saw people spending in the upside down because this was the most we got in the upside down you know and mm-hmm. uh I, I found myself wondering too and i'm hoping you have some insight into this mark because i don't know what i make of this Uh-oh. uh so Here we spend a lot of time in the upside down, and I'm wondering what the Duffer Brothers are trying to tell us. Is there is there some symbolism in the upside down? Is is that something theological? Is it something political? Uh, What commentary, or is it just like fantasy, Mm. just pure fantasy? And there's this other dimension. uh, What's your take on this?
1: I'm gonna go off the deep end here. See, see. I want to hear it. You're gonna have something. I know. It really hit me hard as I was watching it. So I think the upside down is actually counterintuitively the world that we currently live in because it feels so upside down mm. right now. I mean, the Decna is sort of the figurehead of the plutocratic autocracy uh, that the U ha- U.S. has become. And so I kind of love this thing we hated in the earlier episodes of the four storylines and how ultimately in this mm-hmm. last bit, each one of them are working locally uh, from the ground up. They're using love. They're coordinating between their groups in order to defeat this larger upside down world that has happened, that, that we can't all be together in the same place, but we can, we can collectively, if we are well-prepared, we, we lean on love and compassion and relationships, we coordinate together. There's not much that we can't overcome. And that's why I love that line that Will says to Mike, without heart. We'd all fall apart. Um, so yes. that's what I think. I think this is very I, symbolic of overcoming this upside down, crazy, nutty, auto plut- plut- plutocracy that we're all living in right now. And all the horrible crap that. that comes out of it. I'm, am I, I overthinking we're, it? I we're,
0: living, we're living on the upside down. Ooh, I think I'm overthinking gonna, it. I don't know. <laughs> I know. We like that. See, I knew you were going to have a great answer for this. And uh, I, I, I don't love know if was great, but it did bother me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah yeah. I uh, mean it, am I am I overthinking it? Is there any chance that that is part of what they're doing?
0: I think you're right. i I, I think that's a great part. And especially, you know most of stranger things, has um taken place uh, in in the era when Trump was president and obviously mm-hmm. uh a lot of this was uh was in concept Written when he era. was still the president mm-hmm. and and we're still seeing the after effects of that and we're, we're seeing that with the, this uh, obviously with the Supreme Court decisions and uh, we're seeing this uh, this extreme you know conservative um minority that has uh, that has put these people into place and we're we're dealing with all the effects of that so i i think you're right and uh, uh fighting vecna a lot like fighting the man who's taking away rights uh right. in in our current day i like that i've got one other question that i feel like we have to say before we end the segment mark all right. and all right. we, we talked about it we talked about it briefly earlier but i think um i think lgbt issues are mm. are prominent in this yes. and absolutely i want to know how you think they did with wills coming out i mean we talked about it briefly but the there's a scene uh, in the bus yeah. then there's that powerful scene you know with jonathan and will in the pizza right? shop where they're saying hey you can always come to me and he kind of comes out without coming out i want to know how you think they did
1: Um, You know, I I think they did what they could do with this being set in the 80s. And they were very realistic about what it was probably like, even afraid to come out to your best friend, even afraid to come out to your brother. Um, I, I, I love that the way they showed it was a version where there was a lot of compassion, particularly from his brother. Um, mm-hmm. and that that's how I think we all need to learn to be when a person is having a, a struggling to, to, it to, to reveal something about them, that, that they're concerned, how you react that this compassionate, uh, response mm-hmm. to it. Um, I, but I always in these kind of things wonder if there's also wouldn't have been, uh, a, a large lesson that could have been learned if, if they'd have pulled out that character a little bit more, will and had maybe a a, a one person who kind of recognized that they thought that maybe that he was gay and really came at him hard and was ugly about it. Uh, I think it would have been even more productive to see this balance between um, overcoming these horrible folks uh, that that are, let's not call them horrible, people who don't understand or, or it makes them uncomfortable and become very mean people caught out of that. I think it'd been really interesting to watch the friends group support Will and, um, and confront that because it, it, all comes off a little, it's sad, as sad as it is because it's the eighties and it was, you know, mm-hmm. very few folks felt comfortable coming out in terms of the percentage of the folks who, who were in the LGBT, uh, a group of folks. Um, I kind of feel like they, it was a little too easy, uh, not ignoring, that he couldn't come out and that's horrible. And, and, but what he did do was it it was well accepted, which is a lovely lesson that we all need, but I think it kind of needed to be counterbalanced by it's not all, you know, sunshine and flowers. There's, there are folks out there who who are really horrible and cause a terrible, terrible damage to folks who are trying to figure out how to, how to live into who they really are.
0: Yeah, and they and they had those people that they could have used for that mm-hmm. in this season. I, it, Absolutely. You know, there are the people who are giving Elle a hard time. It would have been easy to uh, have, well, right, have Will's sexuality as a part of that. So I think yeah. that's an important point. There's a ton of stuff we could talk about. And uh, I would love to talk more about theology <laughs> and politics of Stranger Things. But you know what? We got to try and make each other look stupid, Mark. And so uh, I think it's excellent. time that we wrap this on up. We listen yep. to the drop and we come back to make each other look stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Make Me Look Stupid uh, segment of the show. Uh, This is a moment where uh, sometimes we intentionally dig really hard and deep and try to ask a question that's unanswerable. And other times we just ask one that that we're pondering and really curious of of what the other person might think. Uh, And as I started a few weeks ago being a gracious host of this segment, gracious and benevolent host, uh, Caleb, I will defer to you and allow you to ask the first question.
0: Oh, well, that's very kind of you. I don't feel like I need to ask a question because as, as you uh, mentioned earlier, I mean, I, I already said Vecna was behind the whole thing. You and you're like, you... man, no, no. I was like, it's I not, don't know. what's going to happen. <laughs> and he was. I knew it. Yeah, I, yeah, okay, absolutely. here's my question. Yeah. I, I do have a question for you. Brad.
1: Okay, all right. Um,
0: so there's that scene where... Uh, Max's character is in a hospital, in the hospital, in a coma and, uh, Lucas is reading to her. And did you Mm -hmm. notice what Lucas was reading?
1: I did. I I can't remember the name of the book. It was a a co-author Stephen King book. And it's also the title that Steven Spielberg and the Duffer brothers will next be producing for Netflix.
0: So the talisman.
1: The Talisman, the talisman. Which is it's a it is about another another universe, another dimension, and there's twins between the two. I know that much about it, but I don't know much more than that. But I love that they got that in there, and it does have some a little bit of stuff that you can kind of pull that see that they might be pulling some from it for this show. I mean, don't you think?
0: that's and that's what i want to ask you about Uh so yeah. so it, it is about uh right mirror mirror universes right so very similar and uh, a mm-hmm. nod to um, what's happening with the upside yeah. down, and, and no secret that they've drawn heavily on Stephen King and other horror classics mm-hmm. for uh, to create, you know, Stranger Things. So um, I wouldn't know, especially since uh, since you know about the the stuff uh, regarding the the new Netflix stuff. I, I wouldn't know if you think that the talisman, him reading from the talisman, was trying mm-hmm. to tell us anything deeper about the season or about what's mm. coming. Up, is there anything you know? Here they've got uh, so yeah. in the talisman, right? They've got they've got mirror uh, mirrors of themselves um that that you know it's kind of like the upside down but there are more people and stuff i wouldn't know if there's if that's Uh, foreshadowing i
1: I think it might be foreshadowing but it's been it's gonna i I think it might be foreshadowing a question that we should all have right now that i expect them to answer in season five and that is when when we see number one go into the upside down uh, as as 11 cents in there he comes out disfigured from the lightning but he looks across a barren landscape and there's just nothing there other than this dust yeah. that he starts figuring out how he can control. Uh, and, and it seems to me that they've got to explain how in the early seasons, when we went into the upside down, there were fully formed versions of the world they lived in. There were buildings, yeah. there were people there. Were, and so I, if anything, I think it might be, a foreshadowing that they're going to let us know how this mirroring that all that happens ultimately, how in the world Vecna made that come about? That's my best guess, but I'm not sure. I mean, what do you think?
0: (laughs) I'm curious to know the answer to that question too, because Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something we did not get an answer to. And Mm -hmm. if anything, it raised more questions because um, it's like Hawkins was recreated and then you know we we saw in the first part in volume one that uh that it was as if then time froze from the moment that l opened the gate Mm -hmm. uh so i i'm not that's something i wasn't clear about it's like why why is there all of this other stuff in there vecna created it and then why did time freeze did he just get like too busy to to update it with time or or what was going on they're they're stuck in
1: 1983 so it's like yeah they're stuck in 1983 the year that is the it was the year that one of the characters died one of the the, maybe the first sacrifice happened that Uh, year you know barb
0: people are broken up about barb i get that
1: why not i mean it was tough it was tough (laughs) all right so that's my turn now sir yes all right so so 11 creates uh, the rip in the wall between Hawkins and uh, the upside down.
0: Uh-huh.
1: My question is what are the odds that it will take her death to close the wall?
0: Uh, I've I've been wondering about that. Is there any way that the, that eleven can make it out of this alive? And I really don't think so because I think even though we we're talking about you know and we took L off the table as the Christ figure, I think <laughs> the Christ figure of the of the series, mm-hmm. right? And I think that the answer to this is going to be. That Eleven has to die to close the uh, to close the uh, the gate, and I, yeah, I don't the think date. there's really any way around that, other yeah. other than her her death. And although you know who knows, uh, maybe maybe you're right, Mark, and maybe Max will get some of the powers. And maybe we'll find it out at the maybe we'll find it out at the end of the epi- at the end of the season. You know, Eleven no. dies, and the way that there's resurrection is that Max gets some of the powers. And she gets her own spin off.
1: Uh, I like that. And, That's my answer. And, and That's what I. I kind of like happen. that. I kind of like that. She just like L saved her. She then turns around the next season because she now has powers and saves L, and they both have been resurrected. Oh, I
0: like that better. I like that better than what I said. I'm going with that. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's do they're, that. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're mir- They're mirror- mirroring saviors of the show, right? Both yeah. both have died to save everyone, and both have been resurrected. That's possible. I, I like that. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm game for that. Let's see. Let's see if it happens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in well, a year
0: and a half, whenever right. the next season comes. Unfortunately,
1: out. we're looking at least 2024. So that's going to be a long stretch. But it will be worth it. They have been just killing it with this show. It's been amazing. Uh, you folks have been amazing. We really appreciate everyone who's hung out with us for this live broadcast. All yeah. of you who are listening on the podcast and have stuck with us to the end. We are very thankful for you. Remind everyone. This coming week, there will not be a Monday broadcast because, uh, and, and there's a chance there will be a Monday broadcast. Let me tell you about that. We will be at Wild Goose this Saturday recording the show talking about Thor, uh, Love and Thunder. But if there's a way to record this as we're doing it, I, I'm going to try to at the very least have it on, a, on my iPhone and we will upload our experience and share that with everyone at a regular time on Monday the following week. So know that'll be happening. But more importantly, we really hope we really hope we get to see all of you who are going to be at the Wild Goose uh, yeah. at sa- Saturday at the Goose Cast stage at 4 15. It's gonna be a good time. Uh woo. Caleb, cheers, sir. Great show. Appreciate Cheers, you. Mark. Cheers to all of you. <laughs>